in with both feet all the way up to your neck. 700 miles roughly. And all of your family, what, what is the total count on all the family now that came? I mean, this is a commitment, people, very, very few folks. Everybody likes to test the water, test drive the new car, make sure everything's right. When you know in your heart and you're driven by God, you know what to do. And uh, this is the kind of commitment this couple's made, and we're so blessed in this church. And uh, I thank you all for being here this morning. Each one of you got up this morning, and you had a choice. Go to church, watch TV, go fishing, go do something else. But you chose to be here, and I thank you for that. And that's some unity. We're here in presence together. And I assume that we're all here because we're running that race. I know I haven't finished the race. I'm a sinner, and I fight sin every day. And I'm looking forward to the end of that race. I'm looking forward to standing before my God and hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But every day, I battle my mouth, what goes in, what comes out. I battle my mind, what goes in my eyes. I battle my ears, what I hear. You know, sometimes I pray for the helmet of salvation. But it's not a helmet like you see in the old biblical times. This is a helmet like the race car drivers wear. It's fully enclosed all the way to the neck. It's fireproof. It's brake proof. It's, it's everything proof. That's the kind of helmet of salvation I need because every day it's a fight. And I believe many of you have that same fight. I don't think we're, anybody's perfect to ever been on this earth but Jesus. So we run that race together. And he, you're here together this morning, and we appreciate that. And we're all in pursuit of how we can serve the Lord, how we can follow him, how we can follow his word. And we're so blessed to have Pastor Scott and Deb that deliver that word. They deliver it with a passion and an understanding that lets us go forth and grow and learn and lets us bear fruit, you know. We're not just baby Christians. We want to move forward and produce fruit. We want to tell others. We want to, you know, encourage others. We're here to be fed. We're here to encourage others. We're here to praise the Lord. We're here to be strengthened for those opportunities that God puts before us when we can do something in his name, when we can say a word, when we can tell others about Jesus, whatever it is, we have to be open to that. We have to be open to that Holy Spirit. Ushers, if you would make your way this morning as we're going to pray. People, I ask you to be generous. I ask you to open your heart. I ask you to open your wallet. We do this once a year to appreciate our pastors. They've done so much for our church, and there's so much in the future. The future is just, it, it's, it's God's future. His, our impossible is his possible in all things in all ways. So if you would, also, if there, those of you, as you give today, if you have called upon your heart to give to Pastor Jay, please earmark that. If you're putting it all on one check, please show the difference of what's for the Brother Scott, what's for Jay, and what's your regular tithes and offerings. So, if you would, bow your head. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you this glorious day, this awesome day, Father God. We just are so reminded of the grace that you give us, the unmerited favor that we have. Even though we're sinners, we walk in sin and we fight those battles every day, Father God. We can always turn to you. Your presence is there. We get hurt. We hurt others. 
there's things that we do we shouldn't do, Father God, and we come to you and we repent before you, Father God, and we just ask that you watch over us. We ask that you watch over our pastor and his family, Father God. We pray for his vision. We pray for his leadership. We pray, Lord, that he shepherd this flock in the way that this church walks and operates in your will in all things and all ways, Father God. And, Lord, we just ask that you bless the giver this morning. This is the one thing that as people give to the church, they receive back more than they ever give, Father God, because you continually bless that. And we just ask you to, to grant the giver blessings this morning. We ask that you take this offering, multiply it 100-fold, Father God, into your service and into this church. And we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Christ Jesus. And everybody said. Good morning. Y'all doing all right today? Good, good. One more time, could you just make Pastor Scott and Miss Deb feel appreciated? Give them a big old hand clap if you appreciate them today. You know, a lot of people, and even pastors, I'll be honest with you, one of, some of the people that struggle with days like today, Pastor Appreciation Day, more than anyone, uh, they're pastors. Because it feels like the day is all about us and the whole point that pastors do what we do is because we feel like that it's all about Jesus. But I'll tell you, I appreciate you appreciating myself and my wife and Pastor Scott and Miss Deb because the truth is, is that ministry is hard work. And, there's, and to be honest with you, thank yous are few and far between. Uh, a lot of times people see our mistakes a lot quicker than they're going to see the things that we do wrong. And I just want to say thank you for appreciating us and showing your love toward us this week in cards and phone calls and text messages. It means a lot to us. Uh, and today I'm excited about where we are. How many of you are excited about what God is doing in the kingdom today? I believe God's got a good purpose. I don't believe God's dead. I don't believe he's through. I believe God's got a purpose, and I believe we're right in the middle of that. Do you believe that today? Today I'm going to be sharing a sermon in, about vision. 
Because I feel like God has a purpose for this church. I believe he has a purpose for our, for our community. And I believe he's going to use us to impact our city. And, you know, in vision, you know, one of the most frustrating things in life, not just about vision, but one of the most frustrating things in life is not being able to see something clearly. You know, kind of like whenever you buy a new piece of furniture, and if you're like me, you're an amazing carpenter, right? Hallelujah, glory to God. And so you get this piece of furniture, and you don't throw the front part of the box away. Why? It's got a picture on it. You need the picture. You've got to be able to visualize what you're doing. Get this new piece of furniture, and you're like, okay, I'm excited about this bookshelf or whatever it is. And you're thinking, this can't be too hard. I'm going to put this together by myself. And I'm a man, and so I don't even pull the instructions out. And so what happens? I get frustrated, and so I finally, I lay my pride down, and I pick, you know, some instructions up. And the most frustrating thing in the world is whenever there's like a, a piece of furniture you're trying to put together that has 300 pieces and a book of instructions that have three pages. <laughs> and and if there's, the words are so small, you, you kind of hold it out in front of you like, okay, God, I've, I've, I've humbled myself to, to use these instructions, and I can't see them. It's so frustrating. It's almost like the words are so small, you can't tell if they're even written in English or Portuguese or Spanish, and you just, at the end of it, you just throw it down. Last time I did that, my wife finished it for me. True story. So small print manuals, it's frustrating because you can't see it. Signs on the highway. As I get older, and I don't like to admit that I'm getting older, but the people who cut my hair say, Ooh, Pastor Jay, you're getting some gray hair. I know I'm getting gray hair. But anyways, but on top of gray hair, I've noticed that those signs on the highway, they're not as clear as they used to be. I think they've changed the ink or the reflectors that they use in them. I don't know. But when I'm driving down the highway, and it's frustrating when it's raining, and you're driving at like 75 miles an hour, 70, whatever it is you feel comfortable with in the Holy Ghost, I don't know, but anyways... And you're driving down and you start missing turns because you can't see the signs clearly. It's frustrating. And then if you're like me and you have a really good wife, she lets you know you missed the turn about 20 feet after you missed the turn. And like, I was like, oh, well, that would have been very useful information about 10 seconds ago. But anyways, it's frustrating whenever there's something you look, you're looking at but you can't see it clearly. It's like, when you, it's like when you go to talk to a good friend only to realize you've never met this person. How many of you have ever done that before? Oh, Jesus, oh, you, you're, I have. When you're walking through Walmart, you're like, oh, I haven't seen this person in forever. Hey, man, how are you? And then you realize, I don't know who this person is. Hey, how are you, how are you doing? I'm Jay. <laughs> you ever done that before? Just me? Okay. Anyways, I've done I did it recently. Uh, anyways, and so a good thing about, or a good example I thought about vision to, to pull out how, how, frustrating it, how frustrating it can be when you don't have clear vision was, was something that came up last year. Now, I, I almost didn't even bring this up because I believe it called marital strife. It calls relational strain with people. But I felt like it was a good example. Last year in February, there was a picture floating around the Internet, and it almost split churches and split families. It was bad. It was the dress. How many remember the dress? Oh, yes, the dress. Oh, yes. My wife and I, I remember whenever, I, see, I, I was on media that day. I was getting ready for a message, and I saw all these posts about this dress. And I was like, what in the world? And so I looked at the dress, and I said, it's very clear. It's white and gold. It's white and gold. And so I, 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 when Christina was working here, and I said, baby, these folks are crazy. These folks are getting into arguments about this dress. 
and it's clearly white and gold. And she says, no, it's not. It's blue and black. We almost got divorced. We almost didn't make it. We got into a 20-minute debate about, about the technicalities of colors and all of those things, and it was bad. And the truth is, you probably, hopefully, will never hear me admit this again in public, especially from the pulpit, but the truth is, she was right. It actually is a blue. How, how many of you think this is blue and black? Raise your hands. The devil is, I'm just kidding. But honestly, it is a blue and black picture, and apparently, I don't agree with it, but I was wrong, my wife was right, I said it. And apparently, the way my brain works I see white and the way my brain processes information, I see white and gold because of the surrounding lighting. But some of you crazy people see black and blue. But anyways, it's a black and blue dress. And the truth is, is that kind of relates to vision. Sometimes we, whenever we're in relation to vision, uh, we can kind of see a shadow of the vision, but because of different reasons, we're only seeing a part of it and we can't see clearly what God is trying to do. We, we know that God is calling us and we know that God has a purpose set aside, but it almost gets frustrating because you see a shadow of what God is calling you to do, but you can't get the details, you can't get clarity on what he's telling you to do. And it's, it's, the thing is, if we can't see it clearly, we can't get clear direction and if you can't get clear direction, you get frustrated. And so today, I feel like God is calling us to a place of clarity. A good example of clarity and vision is the story of Joshua and Moses. Moses and Joshua are two of my favorite uh, biblical examples of a father and spiritual son. Moses and Joshua had the same exact calling. Now Moses had an amazing life because he was born a slave. They tried to take his life, and so his mother sent him up the river in order to save him. He was rescued from the river from the royal by the royal family. He got to be raised as a prince of Egypt. God called him out of that. He went to the backside of the desert and had an experience with God. He had an amazing life. In the backside of the desert, God spoke to him and said, Go and, and, go and lead my people out of, out of bondage. He did that. He went to Egypt. He said to Pharaoh, Let my people go. Eventually, through the ten plagues, he did. Moses was, a, was an amazing leader. They went through the wilderness. They saw, well, first they saw the, the Red Sea split. And then behind the Red Sea, while they crossed it, God even made the ground dry so that they could walk by it and not get their feet muddy. After they walked through, they, God saw that the Egyptians were following them. And because of his word, he said he's going to protect them. And so he caused the rivers, the waters, to surround them and kill the Egyptians. He was an amazing leader, and there was an, some amazing testimonies. But his overall calling was to what? Not just lead his people out of Egypt, but to lead them into the promised land. After they got through certain things, and they got to the point, to the precipice of what God had created them and called them to do, they were right on the cusp of accomplishing their purpose that God had set out for them. Moses decided to send out 12 spies. We all know that whenever the Spies went out, they went out, and it was Joshua and Caleb were two of them. They went out and they said, man, this is, this is some good stuff out here. The Bible says that there were grapes out there that were too big for them to carry. They looked out and they said, man, this, far, this, this land would be great for farming. There's so much room, there's so many resources. We could really lay our foundations here and have a great nation. 
You know, I think the church, and I think we, we, we do life that way sometimes. We look as a church into our city and we say, man, our city has great potential. This school has great potential. We see so many things that God can do here. But then what did the spies see next? They said, Moses, we, when they came back and reported it, they said they have all these good things. But, somebody say but. But. There's giants. They said, Moses, they have all these good things, but there are giants. They were afraid. They saw all the potential. They saw the, they were right there on the cusp of what God had created them and called them and rescued them to do. They were right there, but instead of looking at how big God was, they saw how big the giant was. And the truth is, is that there are always going to be giants that come into our life that challenges what God wants to do. And there are going to be times in our life where God calls us to do something and it's not going to make sense and it's going to seem crazy and we're not going to be able to explain how we're going to do it. But it's in those places that we're going to have to say, God, I see the giants. I'm not ignorant to the problems. I'm not ignorant to the risk. But you have called me to do this and so I'm going to trust you and walk through it in faith. Just because we have faith and we walk through things it doesn't mean we don't see the negatives it means that we don't give more power to the negatives than we do to God it means that we know that God is bigger, he's not smaller he's not less than, he's not challenged, instead he is more than enough and he is sovereign and and no matter where we go through in life, he is able I wish somebody would look to your neighbor and say God is able They went through the same thing. They went through and they saw the giants. I think the church sees giants. I think we want to reach people. We know God has called us to reach people. We know that God has called us to reach our community. And we see all of the promise. We see all of the potential. But the enemy shows us all the giants. Well, you can't have a multicultural church. You're in the Delta. You can't reach people. You're in the Delta. You know, know, people call the Delta... In, in, in preacher circles and in, in the international and state places, they call us a spiritual valley, spiritual place of death. They said that's where preachers go to die. It's easy to see the negatives. We can all come up with a thousand reasons that God's purposes and promises won't come into fruition. But all God is daring us to do is just trust Him, to just trust Him. And so they both had the same calling. Moses and Joshua. But they had two very different outcomes. Why? Because the generation that followed Joshua, they said, we went the other way. We've tried not trusting God. And it led us, it got us into a wilderness for 40 years. I'm going to trust God. That's what, that was the difference between the generation of Joshua and the generation of Moses. And so today, they, they, whenever they were following Joshua, they, got a, they caught the vision. They, they had went through the wilderness with Moses. They had lived through it, and they saw their parents make mistakes. And they, but more than that, they saw how big God was and how able he was to save. And whenever it became their time to take up the mantle, they had decided in their hearts they were going to trust God. And so in order to see God's promises fulfilled, we have to speak to giants instead of allowing giants to speak to us. 
Whenever God calls us or sets us aside for a purpose, there are always going to be naysayers. And the enemies are, the enemy's always going to find ways to, to get into our heart and make us feel like we're not good enough, we're not strong enough, he isn't big enough. But the truth is, is that God is always enough. God is always enough. If he's called you to something, he's going to see you through to the end. He's not going to leave you in the middle. You're not going to find yourself at a dead end. If you do find yourself in a dead end, God will come in and knock a hole in the middle of a wall somewhere and make a way because God isn't going to call you to something that he's not going to make a way for. Amen? And so what the way we do that is by having, the way we really get into where God has called us to be is to have a clear understanding, a vision. I want to read you a scripture this morning. Proverbs 29 and 18 says this. Where there is no revelations, very, I love this scripture, but it's very simple. It's not really simple, really. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions. Today I want to share with you four eyes, Not glasses, four eyes, the letter I, about vision. Four keys to vision. The first I is this. Vision, uh, the first I is this, is we have to understand the importance. With vision, we have to understand the importance of the vision, not a vision, not 20 visions. We have to understand the importance of the vision that God has given us. Vision gives purpose. The most frustrating, in the wor- most frustrating thing in the world, in the church world, is feeling like you're just going through the motions, feeling like there's no direction, feeling like you're here and you're going through all these things and you're doing all these things, but you have no idea why you're doing them. It's frustrating because you feel like there's no goal or no, or no destination. And so purpose actually provides direction. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have a mind that I can just get in the car and just drive that way. It's frustrating to me. I'm one of those people, I need a, I need a A, a B, a C, and when I get to Z, I need to come all the way back to A and have a, you know, I, I, need, I need certain goals and, and directions and places. I need to know where I'm going. And when we have direction, we can all get together and say, okay, this is where we're going. The biggest thing for a church body is to be able to be unified under a direction. And whenever we understand the importance of direction and we listen to it, then we're able to say, okay, this is where, the, this is where God is leading us. And we can get on the same page and head in the same direction because it keeps us from doing ten good things but missing the right thing. It's frustrating whenever you feel like you're doing all these good things but it's not getting you to where, you, where you're called to be or what God has called you to be. And it's because it doesn't matter if we do a thousand good things. If we miss what God has purposed us to be, then we're missing the main thing. Direction provides focus. There's a difference between a shotgun effect and a rifle effect. God has called us to do something particular and unique, and we can't hit it with a shotgun. We've got to be focused. We have to understand the importance of vision. Once we have direction, we can focus on what God actually spoke over our congregation. Instead of doing a thousand good things, we can focus on what the thing God has called us to do. And through focus, we can become effective. God is calling us as a church to be effective. Effectiveness isn't having beautiful services or huge buildings or or doing a lot of things. Effectiveness is reaching people for Jesus. Look to your neighbor and say, it's about to go down. Effectiveness is not having the loudest music or the prettiest building or, or having even the most people. Effectiveness is defined by Jesus or by God by how many people you're reaching. 
God has called us to get in line with his vision for this body, not so that we can do a lot of stuff, but so that we can reach a lot of people. Because it doesn't matter how great our music is or how good our programs is, unless we are reaching people for Jesus, all all that matters to the kingdom of God is are we building the kingdom of God? How do you build the kingdom of God? You get in line with what God is calling us to do. What happens whenever anyone in the Bible did not get in line with what God called them to do? Most of the time it's one of two things, nothing or bad things. What happened to Moses whenever the people, whenever they decided they weren't going to trust God? Absolutely nothing. They were like NASCAR. They just walked around in a circle for 40 years. So the first one, we have to understand the importance of vision. The second one is we have to begin to implement the vision Joel Barker said this, vision without action is just a dream. That's good. Vision without action is just a dream. Action sometimes looks like change. Action sometimes looks like staying the same. Action has a lot of forms. And the thing is, is in the Bible, we know that the Bible is is a book of action. How do we know that? Because even though it's been the same book for thousands of years, it still is able to be molded into each individual situation. I can pick up the Bible and find one scripture that encourages me, and I can be in 20 different situations, but that one scripture still speaks directly to where I am in life. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit uses it to speak to me right there because it's living and it's changing and it's molding to what I need it to be. I submit to you today that the church has to be the same. The church, in order to be effective, God has called us to be a living body, not a dead body, not a stagnant body. Dead bodies stay the same. Living bodies change and grow and and evolve. God is calling us to be what the community needs us to be. That's hard. God is calling us to be effective. In order to be effective, we have to be what the community needs us to be. First one, at first eye, is understand the importance. Second eye is to implement, learn how to implement it. So it's, it's important to understand whenever you're implementing vision, implementing God's plan is that, and this is kind of cliche, but I love it because it kind of rhymes. I like rhyming stuff. Teamwork makes the dream work. Pastor Scott and Miss Deb, God gives them the vision. And What has to happen then is that we as the body, we have to get in line with the vision because while Pastor Scott can get an email or a text message from God and God can put it into bullet points of you got to do this to this to this to this and this is going to help you reach people and this is going to help you reach people, but we will never reach people without a team. God has set you aside. Look, Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Look at your other neighbor and say you too. There you go. Stop ignoring people. I know you're looking at one person every time I say that. Anyways. God has ordained and set you aside. He's purposed you to be exactly where you are so that you can be a part of the team, so that you can be a part of the vision, so that you can help the church be effective in reaching people. We can't implement the vision without teamwork. We need you. God wants to use you. He's got a place for you. And when we all catch the vision, the devil's in trouble. 
when we all catch the vision and we get on board and we start steamrolling straight ahead and we're on the same page and we're following after what God has called us to do, there's not a devil in hell or a principality in the air that can stop us from reaching people for Jesus because what we don't think about a lot of times is that the devil will use any means necessary to cause disunity, to get us off track, to, to, to steal our focus. But today I submit to you that if we will follow after Jesus and if we'll catch the vision that God has planted in this church, we are going to be used to reach our community and not just be another church, but be the church that's making a difference, that's reaching people for Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. First one is understand the importance of vision. Learn how to implement the vision. And the third eye is this. When we all catch the vision, we will begin to see the impact our church will make on the community. It's no secret. I've been here for, I've lived other places for two or three years, but mostly I've been here for, I guess, 27 years of my life. Born and raised Delta boy. Been here a long time. And I see the problems in our community. I see the problems in our community represented in my own family. Our community needs Jesus. It doesn't need just another religious church that just goes through the motions. Our community needs a church that's all about seeing people saved and set aside for the sake of the gospel. Our community needs a church that's about the healing power of Jesus Christ. Our community needs a church that's willing to do what's necessary to see people saved. And I want to be a part of that. I, I, I want to see the impact that God wants to use us to make on our community. And so, once you implement we're going to begin to see the impact of the church. Deuteronomy 32.30 says this. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. If we can catch the vision and run with it, there's nothing that we can't do for the kingdom of God. And that's the goal, isn't it? When we're talking about vision and we're talking about community, the goal is to reach people for Jesus and to build the kingdom of God. Once again, or once we begin to work in the kingdom or, or for the kingdom under the vision that God has given the fourth eye is this. We'll begin to see increase. The fourth eye is this. We'll begin to see increase. The church exists to see an increase in the kingdom. We don't exist to just sing songs. Songs are good. I like songs. I like old songs. I like new songs. But we don't just exist to sing songs. We don't exist to turn the lights on or just to have a building to, that has another cross on it. We exist to impact the kingdom. As a church, our goal should be to see people healed and made whole and set free and saved. We want to make a difference. We have to understand the importance. Once we understand the importance of vision, we have to begin to implement the vision. Once we implement the vision, we will begin to see the impact of the vision, and that will begin to show us an increase in kingdom work in our community and in our church. We want to make a difference. Today, I just want to take a moment to thank Pastor Scott and Miss Deb for all that they do here. And the thing about ministry is that 90% of the work done is not represented behind a pulpit. Very little of ministry is done from this side. Now, there's a lot of studying, and there's a lot of prep, and there's a lot of, of those type things that goes into a Sunday message. But ministry happens whenever conversations are had on the phone or in the office. Ministry happens whenever prayer time is being had in the wee hours of the morning or the late hours at night. And I thank Pastor Scott and Miss Deb for being that. Uh, as I was finishing out this message and figuring out how God wanted me to close it, God brought me to, to another story of Joshua. 
We know that Moses didn't make it to the promised land. We know that the people that Moses led didn't make it, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. Caleb's funny to me because Caleb, uh, <laughs> when he came back around and they went into the promised land uh, under the generation with Joshua, he didn't just go into the promised land. He, he staked out his territory. He said not only, and Caleb was old in age at this point, and he, he claimed a stake of land that was, high, that was a high point that was almost going to be a really tough battle to claim. But because he believed God so much, Caleb said, I want that piece of land right there. He didn't just walk into a promised land. He even had his set aside. He knew what he wanted. Today we know what we want, and in Joshua, Joshua chapter one, I believe it is, or no, yeah, it's I think it's chapter one. God, God made a challenge. God had a challenge to Joshua. He said three times. Now, three times in one chapter, God said something to someone. If God has to tell you something three times in like twenty minutes, it means you better listen to what He's saying, right? God said to Joshua, "Say so you're going to take Moses' spot. I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses." And you're going to go forward. And he said this three times. He said, but I want you to be, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said, but I want you to be strong and courageous. If you have an older Bible, it's going to be, uh, be, of, uh, be of courage and good strength. He said that three times to him. And then the church or the people that were following Joshua, they'd said something very important. Look to your neighbor and say, this is important. They said, Joshua... We want you to be strong and courageous, and we'll follow you. This is important because God is calling us to encourage our pastor to be strong and courageous and follow. I read stories, and I'm closing here. I read a story just the other day on Facebook about a pastor that actually has two young, young babies and a wife. They're young. And he just committed suicide. And that sounds crazy. This may sound like a nasty way to end service, but ministry's hard. You see, whenever a man puts on the mantle as pastor of a church, he doesn't just pick up his own problems, picks up your problems and my problems and our family's problems. Because how many of you call the pastor, not just when you're in trouble, but when your third cousin twice removed is in trouble too? Send out a prayer text saying, please pray for this. Whenever a man takes on the mantle as pastor, he takes on that burden of those people. Ministry is hard. And I want to thank you because days like today are important. They're important because they let the man of God and the woman of God know that even though it gets hard, and even though it may, see, not, may not seem like it all the time, they're loved, they're cared for. And we do love and care for you very much. And we thank you for all that you've done for our church in the last year. And so one last time, would you give Pastor Scott and Miss Deb a show of appreciation? And today, if you will, Pastor and Miss Deb, would you please come up? And board members, would you please come join me up front? Today, we want to take a moment to pray over, if you will, just right here with me, please. Um, we want to take a moment to pray over our pastors because the enemy's out to kill preachers. And that's not, it's not something I say and I'm trying to build it up. The enemy is trying to kill preachers. He wants to kill ministries because he knows if you hit the head, you can kill the church. But today we want to pray and believe God that he's going to sustain our pastor, that he's going to anoint him in a greater way than ever before. And in prayer, we're going to stand behind him. Amen. Would you stand with me?
And board members, if you will, surround them, please. If you will, would you just stretch your hands this way? We certainly want to say thank you to each of you, <clears throat> excuse me, to each one that had a part. Yeah, go ahead and be seated just for a moment. I'm not going to take long, but everything, <clears throat> excuse me, everything from the beginning to the end. I needed some chiclets anyways, so. In Moses' time, God gave the children of Israel manna from heaven. So today I get chiclets. Everything from the video, just watching that, I mean, that, uh, that really humbled me. This, this church body has accomplished a lot in a short period of time. But you know, in these last days, there's an increase of evil in our society. Immorality, crime, perversion of every kind. Just over the, the last couple days, I've been reading articles and seeing on the news about how eight members of a particular family in Ohio were killed execution style. One of which, while she was holding her five-month or five-day-old, baby it's, it's a sick society that we live in and I don't mean sick as in corrupt even though that's true I just mean they're sick they need the healing touch of Jesus and we're thankful to be a part of a body that desires to bring that healing touch to others I believe we've just seen the beginning, just the very beginning. Pastor Jay said we're on the precipice, and we are. 
believe we're on that threshold where we're ready to see God do something, just something awesome in this community. And it's not going to be about building a church. It's not going to be about, you know, filling our pews. It's going to be about filling people's hearts with hope, with love, and with mercy and grace. I'm thankful for Pastor Jay and Miss Christina. I'm thankful for our board and, and for those that serve alongside of us. I know this is kind of a day where there seems to be a lot of focus on us. It's not about us. We just want to be willing vessels. I've said it before. I'll say it again. When we came down the 30th and 31st of May last year, and we met with the body, met with the, the leaders, preached a Sunday morning service, when we drove back the next day, we knew that there was going to be at least a couple weeks before any decision was made. There's going to be another individual come here from another state, and then ultimately state overseer would come back and talk to the body. So nothing was going to be decided until June 14th. But I've got on my phone still, and I showed Brother Richard just the other day, on June 1st, I've got the confirmation from where we already reserved our moving truck to come from Elkhart, Indiana to Greenville. We knew this is where God wanted us, and we still believe that with all of our hearts. I truly believe that what's to come is much better than what's been. So, again, we say thank you. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm not going to keep you long at all. We're going to go ahead and be dispersed. There are many people over across the way that have prepared and facilitated a meal. Many of you brought food, and we thank you and appreciate each of you. We would like to invite everybody, if at all possible, if you're able, come across and, and just, you know, fellowship with us, eat some lunch with us, just let's enjoy one another's company. I do want to say again that if you are visiting here with us today, I want you to step stop back by our Connection Center. Uh, I think Miss Rachel is going to be at our Connection Center, and we have a special gift that we would love to give to you and help us to connect with you and be praying for you throughout the week. Don't forget to be back next week. You're going to pick up a card on your way out too that's going to have a promo for the series that we start next week called From Institution to Transformation. That's what we're going to be talking about throughout the month of May. And then, of course, there are also two sign-up sheets back there, one of which for the men to sign up to help Brother Greg in our men's ministry cook, serve, and take care of the ladies in our Mother's Day brunch. And then there's also a sign-up sheet for the ladies to sign up that you are coming and how many are going to be in your group. So again, we love you, we appreciate you, and we thank God for you. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you on this day, Lord. God, for all that we've seen and heard. And Lord, I know this is a day where it seems like the attention and the focus is on man. But it's not, God. It's all about you. It's always been all about you. And God, help us to know from the top all the way down to the bottom, God, that we must decrease in order that you must increase. God, help us to be small in our own eyes and see you as great. Help us, God, to truly desire to reach people and to make a difference that's what you've called this church to. That's what you've called this body to. God, and you're preparing it 
as a mighty army. Even when Ezekiel prayed over that valley of dead, dry bones, the scripture says that they got up and they came back together and they stood on their feet as an exceeding great army. I believe that's what you've done and what you're doing in this church. So God, we ask that you continue to use us for your glory. God, I thank you for those that are here. I thank you for those that are visiting. And God, I pray that you would just put in our hearts a desire to be back in this house next week to begin a new series as you lead this church into the future. Father, we pray over the food that's been prepared. We ask that you bless it, bless the hands that fixed it. And God, use it to strengthen us that we might serve you greater. As we go from this place, let your light shine brightly through us that we might be an example of Jesus to those that we come in contact with. Go with us now until you gather us again for a greater blessing. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Come on, put your hands together one last time.